0: Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zoza. Africa, Amuka na una.
1: Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa from an African perspective and we're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. We are on the frequencies 7230 kHz on the 41m band to Southern Africa and on double one nine two five kHz on the 19m band to West Africa as well as DSTV's audio bouquet Channel 802. I'm Lulu Gabu, in studio with Anne Musa, Tabisulo Hoko and Figile Lingwati. In our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at the Sawa, leader of Zimbabwe's opposition MDCT and presidential candidate for the MDC alliance, par- alliance prepares a strong legal team to deal with any vote rigging. And former South Africa's president Jacob Zuma is back in court today. In sports news, South Africa's national under-19s clinch youth ODI series against England. But first up, the news with Anne Moussa.
0: Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Africa, amuka na unai.
2: A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Moussa. Former South African President Jacob Zuma is appearing in the High Court in Peter Maritzburg this morning on 16 charges of corruption, fraud, racketeering, and money laundering relating to the controversial arms deal. Last month, the case was adjourned to allow the conclusion of a court case about state funding for Zuma's legal costs. The adjournment was also aimed at affording Zuma's co accused, a French manufacturing company, time to, to make representations to the National Director. For public prosecutions as to why it should not be prosecuted. Legal expert advocate Makosa Zane Mbombane believes the case may once again be delayed if the new legal team asks for time to familiarize
3: itself with the case. There are a lot of things that can happen because we understand that the president has parted ways with his former legal team. What usually happens is that there needs to be a handover from the former legal team to the new legal team. And they would need to go through all the documents. So I cannot speculate, but it is likely to be an application for a postponement for the new legal team to consider the case fully because it is a very complex case.
2: The Constitutional Court in Uganda has cleared the way for President Yoweri Museveni to stand for a sixth term if he wants to. This follows a constitutional amendment that Parliament approved in December to scrap the presidential age limit of 75. Museveni, who is 73, has been in power since 1986. Imran Khan, the former cricket legend who is set to become Pakistan's next prime minister, says wants to unite the country under his leadership. He says the election was clean, but he's willing to investigate his rival's claims of vote rigging. The BBC's Kandi Kumani is in Islamabad.
4: In a speech broadcast from his home on the outskirts of Islamabad, Imran Khan addressed the nation. He rejected allegations from his political rivals that the vote was rigged describing the elections as the cleanest and fairest the country had seen. The PMLN party, which has been in power for the past five years, called the vote an assault on democracy.
2: The U.S. government says more than 1,800 children separated from their parents as they illegally crossed the border from Mexico have now been reunited with their families or released. But now the recall deadline for a reunion has expired. More than 700 others remain in custody. The BBC's Chris Buckler reports.
5: 1,800 have now been reunited or moved on to sponsor families. So 1,800 children have effectively been passed on back to their parents or to others who can look after them in the meantime. But there are these other children who so far have not been able to go back to their parents or to someone else who can care for them. And there are 711 still inside that system.
2: And finally, a new Ebola virus has been found in bats in Sierra Leone, two years after the end of an outbreak that killed over 11,000 people across West Africa. Amara Jambai, a senior minister of health official, says it's not yet known whether the new Bombali species of the virus, which researchers say, could be transmitted to humans can develop into the deadly Ebola disease. The worst-ever Ebola outbreak started in December 2013 in southern Guinea before spreading to two neighbouring West African countries, Liberia and Sierra Leone. That's the news headlines at 8.30 Central African time.
0: Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, amuka na unai. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, zulka. Africa, amuka na unai.
1: Let's go back in time to today in 1953. An armistice has been signed between Korea and generals of the United Nations. This is not a peace deal, but a truce to end 37 months of fighting. As today in history, 1953. Nelson Chamisa, leader of the opposition MDCT and presidential candidate for the MDC Alliance, has put up a strong legal team that would deal with any vote rigging. According to... Leader of the team, advocate Taban a mechanism has been put in place to guarantee the security of the ballot. This comes at a time when the Zimbabwe Electoral Commission, ZEC, is accused of conniving with ZANU-PF to manipulate the election outcome in favour of MSM Nangagwa. Meanwhile, Chamisa's lawyers have urged all Zimbabwean citizens to come out in their numbers and vote as every ballot cast would be secured. Simon Muchema reports from Harare.
6: It is five days before a landmark harmonized election is held in Zimbabwe amid fears the ruling ZANU-PF and Zimbabwe Electoral Commission, ZEG, have connived to steal votes. Tangible evidence is yet to be veiled but already a serious contestation on the administration of the 2018 polls has taken center stage. At one moment, the main opposition MDCT, led by the 40th old Nelson Chamisa threatened to pull out of the race if certain legal electoral issues are not addressed. On Wednesday, Chamisa assured his supporters his party as well as the election alliance would not be boycotting elections. However, on Thursday, a team of top lawyers led by advocate Tavani Mpofu warned any rigging would be met with serious consequences. Mpofu urged citizens to come out in large numbers next Monday to vote and dispel fears of rigging as a mechanism has been put in place to counter the rigging patterns.
7: For the last couple of months or so my clients, the incoming President of the Republic of Zimbabwe, Advocate Nelson Chamisa, has fought running battles with the Zimbabwe Electoral Commission. Against its abuses and violations, your President has resolutely set his face. He has in all respects been motivated by his exceeding jealous for your civil rights which is unfalteringly asserted in the face of the shocking institutionalized violation of civil civil liberties by the body tasked with conducting the harmonized elections. At the heart of those disagreements has been a call for the preservation of the sanctity and protection of the vote. A desire to make sure that the will of the people of Zimbabwe is not only expressed and respected, but that it ultimately triumphs.
6: The assurance by Chamisa's lawyers comes at a time when top ZANU-PF officials and serving military personnel have vowed if ZANU-PF loses an election, a candidate without war credentials would not be allowed to rule. Mpofu had this to say.
7: A transitional framework, one which cannot fail has also been put in place. To that end, I wish to assure you on my name and own, that I and our legal team are going to superintend over the imminent smooth transfer of power to the incoming president. The necessary assurances from the security operators are to end as they exist as a matter of law. Power will be relinquished. Power will be taken even though the mountains be moved. Albeit, this shall a peaceful and tranquil process
6: mpofu said any shenanigans to seal the elections will be dealt with effectively the man mpofu and his legal team addressed the media they were full of confidence and assured voters their ballot will be safe
7: The zimbabweans on the 30th of july 2018 the business is going to be decided and decided forever i urge you to express your views to restate your dreams, to articulate your aspirations without fear, in the fullest assurance that such expressions will take effect.
6: On one hand, Advocate Mpofu told voters that any plan to use a filter paper ballot on election day will be futile, as voters have already been urged to use both pencil and pen. In the event a filter paper that migrates a vote to another candidate is used, The legal team will then implement their strategy to secure the vote, Mpofu said.
7: That fear remains, but there's something that is in place, and you'll be seeing it in a couple of days, which is going to ensure, we're putting that in place, and it is going to ensure that if those papers exist and we believe they do, something is going to happen which is going to negate their effect. There are certain provisions in the electoral act which we are activating. We do not need to go to court over those issues, but those steps are going to be taken. watch the space. those steps are going to be taken, and the effect of those steps once taken is to negate the evil hidden in the chemical ballot
6: In Arari, Zimbabwe, for China, Africa, this is Simon Muchema.
1: Meanwhile, many Zimbabweans have pinned their hopes for a turnaround in the country's economy. Access to money from banks has been a major challenge, forcing many to come up with innovative ways of doing business. Mbali Tetani has more from Harare. We don't
8: want to be suffering because we've got our money in the bank. Then we must, we'll be getting shares of our money, saying you give us $30, what can I buy with $30? I've got kids, I've got children to take care of. Then you give me $50, $30, what should I do with that? Yet I've got maybe 4000 in the
9: bank. This is the cry of many Zimbabweans, who have over the past couple of months found it difficult to access money from banks. Every morning, long queues can be witnessed outside banks with many hoping to get their hands on a few dollars. The economic crisis in Zimbabwe has become so dire and this has provided an opportunity for mobile networks to intervene. This has helped even street vendors, such as this lady who has been selling fruit and vegetables from her store for the past 18 years, just to be able to make ends meet. She now accepts payments via mobile phone-based money transfers, like EcoCash.
10: The government say we have no money, we will use EcoCash or Swipe. But if they can't swipe, I let them use EcoCash as someone who needs the money. The EcoCash is quite expensive. Sometimes the markup on charges is 20%. So I then charge extra. It works, but what is difficult is that I don't have money to pay school fees and pay rent.
9: Lituan Mike, a retail worker at clothing store Daniel Pieri, Located in the CBD, says money is so hard to come by, forcing them to rely on the black market just to stay in business.
10: It's quite difficult. Why? Because when we get the eco cash out there, we are going to buy the US so that we can restock again. So it's been quite active, and the percentages have been something else. We are getting our money from the black market. That's where the problem is. Uh, we have certain percentages that we are using here, so like if I want $100, sometimes I pay someone 175 to get a $100, US so it's been very, very difficult.
9: Leader of the Alliance for the People's Agenda, Dr. Ngosana Moyo, says the issue of circulation of money in the country has a lot to do with the people not trusting the government with their money.
11: There is no shortage of money in Zimbabwe. There is money just in the wrong places. The money is... Fl- f- so there's a flight of money from the formal system. If you go to a place they call Rodport, you can get all the runs you want, you can get all the dollars you want, you can get all the bond notes you want. So people are not trusting the system. They don't trust who is running this country. They don't trust the financial systems because they're in collusion with the, the, the government because we put our money in the banks and it disappeared and they've never explained to us where it went. So people, of course, are keeping their money under the mattress. So the issue is an issue of trust. How do we restore the trust? It's going to take time.
9: Former finance minister and MDC member Tendai Biti says it's crucial for Zimbabwe to reverse its current financial crisis.
7: When we joined the government of national unity in 2009, Inflation in this country was 500 billion percent, the second highest uh, uh, after the Second World War, higher than, uh, uh, so only second to Hungary in 1956. So there, were, there was there were no cash in the banks. Uh, the currency had collapsed. We have absolutely no doubt that we'll be able to turn around the economy and do so very quickly. First is macroeconomic uh, stability. Uh, second is uh, ensuring that there is production, increasing productive capacity. Third is tackling the challenge of jobs through foreign direct investment, public works programs, and of course the agenda for reconstruction, which is basic Kenyan economics. We intend to construct ourselves out of the current crisis.
9: Meanwhile, ZANU-PF has stepped up efforts to attract foreign direct investments. The party is looking to regional and international partners in a bid to improve the lives of Zimbabweans. President Emerson Mnanganga has also made his way to the BRICS summit currently being hosted in South Africa, to attract further investment. I'm Bali Tetani in Harare, Zimbabwe. Let's
1: go back in time to 1909. The world's airplane record for two men was broken in a flight of 1 hour, 12 minutes and 40 seconds over 50 miles and at a speed averaging about 40 miles an hour by Orville Wright and Lieutenant Frank P. Lamb of the Army Signal Corps as passengers. That's today in history in 1909. Former South Africa's President Jacob Zuma is back in court this morning, this time in the Peter Marisburg High Court on 16 charges of corruption, fraud, racketeering and money laundering related to the controversial arms deal. Last month, the case was adjourned to, among other things, allow the conclusion of a court case about state funding for Zuma's legal costs. The adjournment was also to afford time to Zuma's co-accused, Tails, to make representations to the National Director of Public Prosecutions as to why the company should not
12: be prosecuted. Vusima Kosini reports. Former President Jacob Zuma will be back to answer the charges against him, this time in the Peter Marisberg High Court. The NPA has also turned down representations by French arms company Thales to have the charges against it withdrawn. The legal action emanates from the multimillion arms procurement deal in the 90s during which Thales won the right to supply the South African Defense Force with combat systems. The state alleges that Thales, through Zuma's legal advisor at that time, Shapir Sheikh, bribed the former president so that Thales would not be investigated. More than 700 questionable payments were allegedly made to Zuma. During proceedings last month, the state said it was ready to proceed with the case and blame the accused for delaying matters. Early this month, Zuma fired long-term attorney Michael Harley. Advocate Kemp J. Kemp, who acted for Zuma for over a decade, has also been replaced allegedly due to Zuma's inability to pay the mounting legal bills. Legal expert Advocate Makosa Zadambonane believed the case may once again be delayed if the new legal team one's time to familiarize themselves with the case.
3: There are a lot of things that can happen because we understand that the president has parted ways with his former legal team. What usually happens is that there needs to be a handover from the former legal team to the new legal team, and they would need to go through all the documents. So I cannot speculate, but it is likely to be an application for a postponement for the new legal team to consider the case fully because it is a very complex case.
12: Zuma supporters are expected to show their support outside court during proceedings. The ANC Natal says individual members may still go to court in their personal capacity. The
5: experience is since the
6: decision was taken because we believe were the only proof that has had to deal with the consequences of that decision in terms of what was experienced.
12: Thales' representative, Christine Kuri, who travelled from France to attend the case, won't be in court. After she was excused, I am Vusi Makosini. Devon.
0: Africa, rise and shine. Africa, so. Africa, amuka na unai.
1: It's twenty-one Central African Time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. Now, the South African Health Products Regulatory Authority and other medicine authorities have recalled certain medicines containing the active ingredient Valsatin due to an impurity that was found at one of the manufacturing facilities in China that produces the molecule for pharmaceutical companies globally the molecule was recalled across several international markets including the u.s and europe as many originator and generic supplier source valsartan from the same manufacturer to speak to us about this we are now joined on the line by professor davies head of the cape peninsula university of technology sports management department prof thank you so much for joining us on africa rise and shine
13: Good morning. Thank you, Lulu.
1: Now, how was the impunity discovered, and is it known what could have been the cause?
13: Well, I think um, many products made um, potentially in China or overseas where perhaps regulation isn't as strict as it is here or in the United States or or Europe have the risk of being adulterated by uh, other products in the manufacturing process.
1: Now, are there any risks with regard to the impurity um, that could be posed to patients?
14: Well,
13: there could be because one doesn't know exactly what they are. And I think uh, because ingesting anything which is potentially toxic uh, can have adverse effects to the physiology of the person, then one has to recall that product immediately. Otherwise, we could be facing all sorts of consequences as a result of that.
1: In terms of the time frame or the period, do you, do, is there any idea of exactly when this impurity occurred or, you know, how long it's been and, uh, you know, where the medicines have already um, been sent or shipped to the different uh, destinations?
14: Well, I,
13: I think they're having the same issue we had with the Pologna, um problem with the uh, contamination of meat products in South Africa. And as much as it's often very difficult to identify where in the uh, product cycle that the, uh, the contamination happened. So I suspect they're going to uh, have to uh, conduct a kind of thorough investigation to fi- try and find this out. And even if they do, it may be very difficult to uh, identify people people who are culpable in terms of the contamination.
1: Now, Prof, let's speak about the medical conditions where um, this medicine is used. Uh, you know which medical conditions uh, require this medication? And, uh, you know, maybe the process can be started from there.
13: Well, I, I wouldn't like to comment on, on that at the moment because I, I'm not a medical GP. And I think it might be more appropriate if you asked a medical GP that question or somebody specific in that field.
1: How long has uh, valsartan been available in South Africa?
13: I actually don't know. And that's why I, I think um, it would be more appropriate if the question was directed towards a, a medical uh, expert rather than myself.
1: Now, what advice would you have for patients who may be listening and uh, whose medication does contain Valsatin? Would it be to consult their GP or go back to their doctor who prescribed the medication? What would be the advice, the best advice or best approach for them to use?
13: Well, I I think you've you've summed it up very well. I I think if anybody's ingesting or has been prescribed this uh, medication, they ought to go and see their their GP immediately and seek alternative uh, medication or or go back to the hospital from whence they they were given the medication.
1: And finally Prof, what measures do you think should be taken to reduce or eliminate the impurity from future batches?
13: (laughs) Well as I said (laughs) they're going to have to do a thorough investigation so I suspect everything will be pulled off the shelves uh, and they will be checked and um, until such time they're happy with the quality of the product Uh, I think one would be well advised to stay away from it.
1: Well, Prof, this is a developing story that is going to be watched very closely. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll leave it there for now. Okay, thank you. That's Professor Simeon Davies, head of the Cape Peninsula University of Technology Sports Management Department, joining us on the line.
15: Uh, The South African Broadcasting Corporation, SABC, is pleased to announce the second round of public consultations into the review of its 2004 editorial policy. This follows a vigorous and successful process in which the corporation first embarked on a process to review its 2004 editorial policy on the 31st of July 2017. The editorial policy project team has since collated and consolidated the public input and submissions to develop a draft. This draft policy is now available to the public and interested parties on www.sabc.co.za forward slash editorial policy. Submissions and inputs on the draft policy can be sent via email to policy at sabc.co.za. The closing date is Wednesday the 1st of August 2018. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective.
1: Going back in time to today, in 2000, the rebel coup leader George Spade had led the coup to overthrow Fiji's democratically elected government in May by taking Fiji's Indian Prime Minister Mahendra Chaudhry and members of his multiracial government hostage for eight weeks has been arrested and will possibly face treason charges. Today in history, in the year 2000. The priorities and themes of the 10th BRICS summit ranging from peacekeeping to collaboration around the 4th Industrial Revolution were all touched on when the leaders of the five emerging economies, Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa, spoke in Santin Johannesburg yesterday. Each gave a short address after which they left to attend the signing of memorandums. In his closing remarks, South Africa's President, Sulra Ramaphosa said, following a proposal by his Russian Russian counterpart Vladimir Putin, they have decided to deepen a people-to-people component in BRICS. Uh,
16: the five leaders, following a proposal by President Putin, decided that as we commence another decade, which we call the Golden Decade of BRICS, we should add this other important and effective aspect to the BRICS cooperation by deepening the people-to-people component so that BRICS should not just be seen as a meeting of leaders, but must be seen to be inclusive at a number of levels by adding the sports and cultural dimension. We should have a BRICS sports process in a number of sporting codes, some of which some of our countries specialize in, As you look at the BRICS countries, each one of us has developed a certain speciality and capability in some of the sporting codes and this will enhance the spreading and popularity of the sports that may not necessarily be played at a high level in our respective countries. He also talked
1: about
2: the deepening of cultural ties.
16: At the cultural level we will want to have and enhance linkages in areas such as film and cinematography and museums and other art forms all our countries are world renowned as being excellent in certain either sporting codes or cultural processes this level of cooperation and indeed, there will be a measure of competition as well. We'll have an economic dimension to it and deepen the BRICS relationships. We have uh, therefore directed our officials to give effect and meaning to this decision.
2: The details of the sport and cultural meetings will still be ironed out. President Ramaphosa concluded by saying that the leaders congratulated President Putin for the successful hosting of the 2018 World Cup. The Russian leader in turn started his address by praising former President Nelson
12: Mandela. To to, to, uh, remember this once again, remind us once again that these days we are celebrating together centennial anniversary of of the outstanding statesman of the South African Nelson Mandela. During his entire life he has been upholding and protecting the principles of equality, openness and fairness. I think that We have full right to state that uh, Mr. Mandela's legacy is reflected in the activities of BRICS. These principles are the basis of the cooperation between the BRICS member states, and it has the character of uh, the real strategic partnerships.
2: India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi also mentioned people in his message at the summit. Speaking in Hindi, here through a translator, he said human values must be at the heart of development.
17: Uh,
10: Today, the world is standing at the crossroads of all kinds of changes. The new industrial technologies and digital interface that are building a new world, they represent an opportunity and a challenge.
1: That was Chinese President Xi Jinping speaking at the 10th BRICS summit in Sandton in Johannesburg. The report was compiled by Channel Africa's Janine Guter. Our headlines up next with Anne Moussa.
2: A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Moussan, The headline supporters of former South African President Jacob Zuma have started gathering ahead of a march to the High Court in Pietermaritzburg where he'll appear this morning on fraud charges. International Observer Missions in Zimbabwe have expressed satisfaction with the progress the Zimbabwe Electoral Commission has made to ensure a free and fair general election. And the Constitutional Court in Uganda has cleared the way for President Yawiri Museveni to stand for a sixth term if he wants to. Those are the stories making headlines.
1: Thank you, Anne. It is 8.33 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. Now, millions of people worldwide with life-limiting illnesses are living and dying in avoidable pain and distress. Although palliative care could help ease their suffering, only 10% of those who need it can access it. Palliative care is an approach that improves the quality of life of patients and their families facing problems associated with life-threatening conditions. For more on this less understood type of health care, we are now joined on the line by Pietra Berger of the Hospice Palliative Care Association of South Africa. Pietra, good morning and thank you so much for joining us on Africa Rise and Shine. Good
18: morning. I'm very well, thanks. How are you sir?
1: I'm very well, thank you. Now, Petra, we understand that uh, you actually are a benefactor of a palliative care. So what exactly led to you seeking such assistance?
18: You know what, Lulu? Um, 24 years ago, I was in a motor vehicle accident, quite a- very serious, actually. Been in the hospital for a long, long time. And in that time, uh, I got to know that I've got a spinal cord injury, I'm paraplegic, etc., etc. So basically, I went through such bad emotional and spiritual pain that the social workers eventually called in the hospice to assist me to to deal with everything.
1: Now, let's speak about palliative care. Um, I think, uh, you know, generally people don't know what it is and what it means. Just briefly give us uh, what exactly palliative care is so that people can have a better understanding.
18: Palliative care is a very holistic approach. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I must tell you, if somebody's got it in their life, they're very fortunate. Palliative care looks at the physical the emotional, the spiritual pain and well-being and and the the overall condition of this person on all these levels and it eases the pain and all the symptom controls. And basically what palliative care is, it focuses to get each and every individual the ultimate, optimum quality of life.
1: Now, Pietra, you've you you mentioned the fact that you've been through um, a whole lot a number of years ago, an accident, and uh, you know uh, you've got a, a lot of assistance uh, from uh, you know the association in terms of you know the spiritual side of things, the just yeah. the, the care itself and the emotional support. Let's speak about. People or families who have to face um, life threatening illness and don't know how to deal or, or face their challenges individually and as a family, because it sounds yeah. like this is, is it's, it's very a traumatic incident that needs people to come together. And because individuals deal with trauma in different ways, it, it could, uh, you know, go sideways very quickly. And what you're basically bringing forth is that support system and, you know, ensuring that everyone stands together and works in one, in one direction. How does an individual? Deal with tra- dealing with trauma, or a family dealing with trauma, get a hold of the association and be able to get assistance from the the, the association.
18: You know, first of all, the first thing that I would like to say is yes, anybody that's diagnosed with a life threatening or life limiting condition needs palliative care, and unfortunately, too little people have access to it. Yes. This individual and this family goes through such trauma, and through palliative care, I can help them to actually deal with the trauma, to get the grief and bereavement counseling that they need, and as I said previously, just to help them to get their optimum quality of life, and to put it in a few words, to live your life well until you die, for each and every one of us. But the easiest way that somebody can get hold uh, uh, and can get access to palliative care is they could contact the Hospice Palliative Care Association of South Africa. I don't know, can I give you the telephone number?
1: Yes, please do. Go ahead, Petra. Uh,
18: the, the head office is in of Cape Town. The number is 021-531-0277. And what we will do from our side is to get them in contact with the closest hospice to see that the nurses from the hospice could go and do an assessment.
1: Now, Petra, you sound. You, you sound like you're, you have such a positive hold of life and a positive <laughs> outlook on life. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm told you're also, uh, you've got uh, many challenges in terms of being in a wheelchair and, uh, you know, going through a lot, especially after your, your accident. But you sound like a positive person who, who knows what they're all about and who, who knows what they want out of life. How do you get to that point in your life after going through so many challenges?
18: you know, I'm going to be honest with you and all the listeners today and to tell you that it's not easy. You know what? In the beginning, you go through this whole, the normal stages of grief. You're angry. You, oh, you just hate the world around you. But in my case, I've had palliative care. I've had these social workers alongside me. They help my hand, They help me that comforted me and to help me to go through it. And you know what is the wonderful thing of the palliative care? Mm. They are there till the end. Doesn't matter what, doesn't matter when, doesn't matter what is the circumstances, they will assist you. And every single day I say thank you for these angels that came onto my path. First of all, they taught me that it's not about why be, but why not be. They taught me to embrace life because I was really not supposed to be alive after that accident. And then all the other things that happened in my life. But you know what? I got a second chance. I got a third chance. I got a fourth chance. And what happens then is that you embrace life. You embrace the good, the bad, the ugly. What happens in your life? And as long as you can come to a point in your life, every single morning when you open your eyes and say, quickly, what is the five things that I'm going to say thank you for today? Thank you for being able to open my eyes. Thank you for to experience pain. Thank you to experience heartbreak about something. And once you can say thank you every day for your life, then you okay. Then you've got quality. Then you could go forward. And then you could go and leave your imprint on life's journey.
1: Pietra, thank you so much for joining us. We'll leave it there for now.
18: Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Lulu. Thank you. And that was uh, Pietra Berger with the Hospice uh, Palliative Care of South Africa. And just to give you their contact details, if you d- do need their assistance, um, the head office is in Cape Town. But they do have hospices all over the country. The number is 021-531-0277. Channel Africa from an African perspective.
0: Africa, rise and shine. Africa, zoo africa amuka na una
1: Over 2,000 youth from across Africa are currently meeting in Kigali, Rwanda, discussing their role in driving the continent an extra mile for sustainable development. Experts speaking at this continental gathering have warned that should there be no youth participation, the African continent would descend into another form of colonialism. Silvanus Caramera reports from Kigali.
8: At this continental youth gathering, African youth have been urged to provide enough space for their continent when it comes to matters related to Africa's rising. Various speakers reiterated this during the 7th Student and Youth Summit, which brought together thousands of young people and students of the African continent. Patrice Rotien Lumumba, also known as PLO Lumumba, is a university professor and legal expert known for his activism for promoting the ideas of pan-Africanism. He says, half a century of Africa's independence has been fruitless and he warned that should governments remain less concerned, Africa is on the verge of spending another half a century for nothing. He called on youth to own the new roadmap for the African Development Agenda, commonly referred to as Agenda 2063. A failure to attain that, he said, even the humble gains that have been recorded could disappear.
7: If we are not careful, we will
17: be recolonized again if we are not careful the gains that are made will be lost
8: again the seventh conference that brings together young people from across the african continent is set to examine how they could play a role in the development of the continent some of the youth attendees have this to say.
9: I think we are past the era of political pan-Africanism. I think we should now embrace this ideolo- ideology based on the economic side. Like uh, We should be proud of the resources that we have as Africans. We should actually mingle, we should uh, use uh, the resources that we have in Africa for our own benefit, not from the people that are out of Africa. So that's for now, I think that's what I believe is a pan-Africanism in the economic um, world. We
6: you know that we have differences, whether in language, whether in tribe, religion and all of those things. But we need to push all of that aside and find a way to unify ourselves and push forward things that will unite us. Because it's only when we're united that the rest of the world will respect us. The rest of the world today doesn't respect us because we keep fighting ourselves.
10: And we don't need to fight ourselves. We have the same problems. Our problem- I really want to donate back to the African governments, the African leadership. In their government, let them consider the youths and give them positions and the space to grow and the financial support to, to develop and uh, help in achieving pan africanism I believe if we start from our countries, Africa, we're going to see the impact.
8: Speakers at the conference reiterated the urgent need for a united Africa which finds solutions for its population through autonomy in the economy. Rwanda's Minister for Education, Dr. Eugene Mutimura, told the young people that the governments of African countries have already implemented various processes to develop the knowledge within the youth that the mainstay of transformation for development of the continent.
11: For all these visionary and strategic programs, we expect a lot of commitment, strong values to put forward Africa's philosophical values so that our continent continues to have a strong heritage that is built on Pan-Africanism. And the youths who are here today are critical to making this happen
8: this is the first time this youth conference has been held in rwanda and is attended by a prominent pan africanists and other guests from singapore fiji and the great britain sylvanus kalimera reporting for channel africa in higali
1: our economics update up next with tabi Solohoku.
5: As Zimbabweans head to the polls, in a few days' time, many have pinned their hopes on a turnaround in the country's economy. Accessing money from banks has been a major challenge, forcing many to come up with innovative ways of doing business. Mbali Titania reports from Harare.
9: Access to money in Zimbabwe continues to be a painful process, which leaves many frustrated. We
8: don't want to be suffering because we've got our money in the bank. Then we must, we'll be getting shares of our money, saying you give us $30, what can I buy with $30? I've got kids, I've got children to take care of.
9: Long queues can be seen on a daily, with many just trying to get their hands on a few dollars. Most banking customers say when they cast their ballot on Monday, they will be hoping for the revitalization of the country's economy. Bali Tetani, SABC News, Harare in Zimbabwe.
5: Many Zimbabweans have continued to express their dissatisfaction with how the current economy is being run. There is almost little to no money circulating in the country, forcing customers to wait in long queues just to access their funds. Mbali Tetani again on this
9: report. This retail worker says they rely on the black market just to stay in business. We are
10: getting our money from the black market that's where the problem is uh, we have certain percentages that we are using here so like if i want a hundred dollars sometimes i pay someone 175 to get hundred us dollars
9: but leader of the alliance for the people's agenda dr ngosana moyo says the people have lost trust in the government
11: we put our money in the banks and it disappeared and they've never explained to us where it went so people, of course, are keeping their money under the mattress.
9: Zimbabweans now also rely on a new innovative way to transact amongst each other without using physical currencies such as eco-cash. Mbali Tetani, SABC News, Harare in Zimbabwe.
5: Namibia's Mines Minister, Tom Aluwindo, says that the warning by the Mine Workers Union of Namibia, NUM, that 1,800 workers could lose their jobs by September this year is exaggerated. Alu Window made these comments to the Namibian on Thursday about the warning from the Southern Regional Office of the NUM. The biggest mine workers union in the country issued a statement on Monday saying the 1,800 workers includes job losses at the Langehendrik uranium while other retrenchments have not been confirmed. This, according to the union, includes the Scorpion Zinc Mine, a Chudi Copper Mine and Namibia Tantalite Mine whose workers have been notified about job losses. Aluindo is, however, not convinced by the figures provided by the union. Vodacom's mobile money platform, M-Pesa, has made phenomenal impact in Lesotho's finance, health and education sectors over the last five years that it has been on the market. This was said by executive head of M-Pesa, Apalesa Mpunyecani in a recent interview with the Lesotho Times in celebration of the platform's fifth anniversary. Bill payments across border transfers, airtime conversion to M-Pesa are some of the new additions to consolidate M-Pesa's rapidly growing reputation on the market. The U.S. dollar trades at 10.4, Botswana on Pula. It's at 9.93 in Zambia. In BRICS currencies, the U.S. dollar trades at 3.70 Brazilian real, at 62.88 Russian ruble, and at uh, 68.53 Indian rupee. 6.77 Chinese yuan, and 13.18 to the South African rand. It's also trading at 75 pence to the British pound. 85 cents to the euro, gold 1,000, $225, platinum, $827 an ounce. The price of Brent crude oil is at $74.60 a barrel. You're listening to Channel Africa from an African perspective. My name is Tavi Solohoku and welcome to it.
1: Figure Lilingwaiti up next with our sports update.
17: In this hour, we're betting off with cricket news. A five-wicket haul by Louise van Skalvik and a magnificent century by Jonathan Baird saw the South African under-19s to a commanding six-wicket victory against England in the second youth one-day international, the ODI, at the South Northumberland Cricket Club last night. The youngsters take an unassailable lead in the three-match series, clinching it with a match to spare. And the star Proteas bowler Dale Steyn has hinted that he may retire from limited overs cricket after the 2019 Cricket World Cup in England. A 35-year-old spoke at the GoPro promotional event in Mumbai on Thursday on his future. Steyn is the nation's seventh most prolific wicket-taker in 180 in the ODIs but hasn't represented the Proteas in one-day cricket since 2016. And the South African national under 17 football team, Amajimbos head coach Muli Finzeki, will bring back the big guns when the South African national under 17 team takes on the host Mauritius in the Kosovo under 17 championship semi final at St. Francois Xavier Stadium in Mauritius today. At stake is the solitary Kosovo sport to qualify for the African Nations Cup, the Afghan under 17 tournament in Tanzania next year, when only the zonal winners will get there. Amajimbos is coming to this game undefeated after finishing on top of Group B and Mauritius qualified as the best runners-up after losing to Botswana in Group A. Ntegi has got a simple approach to this game. Dominate from the start.
6: I don't believe in revenge because um, if you're talking revenge it means um, you are not, uh, don't have the right sportsmanship. But I would say in this case we lost against Malawi. In the third place, we lost against Mauritius in the in the semi-final. And I think they were good enough for them to, to win those matches. So I think uh, the strategy coming into this match is what I said earlier. We have prepared coming into this tournament. We are fully aware of the demands, the mental and the technical demands of this match. So I think we'll have our own technical approach, our own strategy. That has to work for us.
17: The final will be played at the same venue on Sunday. In the afternoon at 13:30 Central African Time, in rugby news, the South African rugby side Lions have made one change to their team to play in Super Rugby semi-final against the Waratahs at Emirates Airline Park on Saturday. Lock Lawrence Erasmus will start at flank in place of injured cycle Brink, and Lions coach the Brain says there will be some swapping between Erasmus and Franco Mostert, who has previously played on the side of the scrum.
14: It's just a bit of horses for courses, a bit of tactical thinking, uh, not much in it. Our 4, our four, 5 and 7 in general attack play together a lot, so it's just, uh, Franco is just being so well at uh, at lock lately, so we just feel it's a bit, but we might swap the roles there at certain stages. He's played number 8 as a 21 player, he played loose forward at school at Garsfontein and he's familiar with that. It's more a case of, uh, of the team than just who's five or who's seven. You'll see on the field, we will move them around. Debrain admitted that it was a huge blow to the team losing Brink,
17: but says he trusts the depth within his squad as it has been responsible for getting the team to the playoffs with many of the stars suffering injuries during the season.
14: It's a huge blow, definitely. For any team, Carl will be a... But we trust our system, we trust in the guys, uh, you know, standing in. As you guys can recall at a stage in the season, we lost our whole spine, Ross included, plus Malcolm and Warren Whiteley with Krill out and Cormorant, The whole spine was in there, so the other guys stood in. and they, In fact, the other guys got us here back on, on track again so that the, the guys can play again. And that's the Sport News this hour.
0: Africa rise and shine Africa Zorba Africa Amuka na unai.
1: Recapping our top stories in Africa, Razan Shan at leader of Zimbabwe's opposition MDCT and presidential candidate for the MDC alliance prepares a strong legal team to deal with any vote rigging. And former South Africa's president Jacob Zuma is back in court today on 16 charges of corruption, fraud, racketeering and money laundering related to the controversial arms deal that wraps up Africa Rise and Shine today and for the week. For myself, Lulu Gabu, producers Lebu Munamukhulu and Komodzomo technical producer Mario Edwards and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at info at channelafrica.org or tweet us at Rise Shine Africa. You can also WhatsApp on 277-6300-3327. Taking us to the top of the hour for the news, on the frequency 7230 kHz on the 41 meter band to Southern Africa is Sipu Mabuse with a track titled Soweto Drive.